Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. Hello, Liz Bashir's here. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to this fabulous interview, if we do say so ourselves, with CBS 42 Chief Meteorologist Ashley Gann on being Alabama's only female chief meteorologist, the challenges and blessings of being a mom while in this very visible profession, and how we can encourage young girls to find interest and even joy in the STEM fields. Before we get started, I wanted to go over just a few things really quickly. We'd be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen to your favorite podcasts. And would you then consider connecting with Bell Curve on social media? We have some great conversations going on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find us there at Bell Curve Pod. We also have a fun, encouraging community at Bell Curve Insiders, our new Facebook group. There, we hope to dive a little bit deeper and really foster an uplifting community of friends. Also, every month we are taking a few minutes to answer your questions about life, motherhood, work, cooking, travel, whatever it is you're interested in. So if you have a question or topic you'd like to get our take on, we'd absolutely love it if you would send it to us by posting it on one of our social media channels, or if you prefer to stay anonymous, slide on into our DMs, as the kids say these days, and send an email to bellcurvepodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get started with our interview with the gorgeous, gracious, and hilarious Ashley Gann. Hello, Bell Curve listeners. Liz Bashir is here, joined by my co-hosts, Mary Scott Hunter and Rachel Breyers. One of the things we hope to accomplish on Bell Curve is to foster community and conversation through the stories and experiences we share here. In the interviews we've done thus far, we've talked to Anna Claire Ballers of AL.com, who shared her investigative journalism on the perils of being a mother in Alabama. We had a fascinating discussion, and you can find that on episode six. In episode nine, we talked to Javasia Harris-Bowser about taking her side hustle full-time as a riding coach. And in episode 12, we talked to Vicki Gazelshap, who made a major career change in midlife and lived to tell the tale. Also, like our name implies, we're three women who like to get a little nerdy from time to time and dig just a little bit deeper into the science of our wonderful world. So ladies, on that theme, I'm thrilled to be interviewing today the Chief Meteorologist at CBS 42 in Birmingham, Ashley Gann. Ashley is a graduate of Auburn University with a degree in aerospace engineering. I mean, that's pretty nerdy, right? And a longtime Alabama meteorologist. She was formerly uh, at the Alabama News Network, WAKA in Montgomery, and then moved to Birmingham. Uh, She earned her master's in meteorology from Mississippi State and holds the prestigious Certified Broadcast Meteorologist Seal of Approval from the American Meteorological Society. That's such a hard word. (laughs) meteorological. Yeah. (laughs) As a wife and mother of three, Ashley enjoys spending time with her tribe. Welcome to our tribe, Ashley. Uh, Mostly at football games and camping, but not in a tent. And when she isn't tracking storms, you can find her at home improvement stores, the park, or her church, Shades Mountain in Vestavia Hills. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for having me. This is so much fun. So, Let's just get started. Okay, you are 
the only female chief meteorologist in Alabama. How did, what, what made you go down that career path? Well, from a young age, I always had a fascination for weather back up to just like my very early childhood. I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, so I was no stranger to storms and really just kind of had, um, I would say, a respect for Mother Nature. I didn't, I'm not one of those that necessarily said, oh, when I was five, I knew this is what I was going to do, but I was pretty young. So I moved to Atlanta when I was in middle school, and at that time, was feeling pretty down. So one of the things that I wanted to do was go to space camp. So my mom let me go to space camp there in Huntsville. And while I was at space camp, I had the opportunity to take a little elective and it was weather. And I remember finishing the week at space camp and telling my mom, Hey mom, when I grow up, I want to be a meteorologist to which she pats me on the head and is like, okay, sweetheart, thinking, you know, you're going to change your mind 15 times. But (laughs) I told her my justification was I love science and I love to talk and I can talk about science in this profession. It just seems natural. So there I was as a middle schooler. um, And here I am as a grown up doing exactly what I said I was going to do at 12 years old. (laughs) That is so much fun. I love that. And as you're talking to, I I live in Birmingham now, but you're talking to three Huntsville natives. So we love, we love space camp over there. Oh yeah. And then obviously went on to college and did that, all that stuff. So, um, you know, so undergrad was at Auburn, went on to get my master's at Mississippi State, did a couple internships in between. And, and here we are. I've always said, though, you know, if the whole weather thing doesn't work out, I can always fall back on being a rocket scientist. So I always thought that was really good. <laughs> That's a good um, safety. That's a good safety plan there. Yeah. So, I mean, and here I am like 15 years into my professional career and I haven't looked back yet, but it's still there. So if I need it, I can, I can pull that card out of the deck too. What are some common misconceptions about being a meteorologist? How much time do you have? Uh, (laughs) Bring it. We want to hear. What do we do? Well, and here's what's interesting. There's common misconceptions about being a meteorologist one. And then there's even more misconceptions about being a female meteorologist. And Mm. I'll start with the first and then I'll work towards the latter. You know, like I always say, you know, you see those memes and I think it was trending on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, like things I hate hearing people or, you know, things that I don't like people to tell me, or I hate when I hear this or something. And for me, it's like, oh, so you have a job where you can be wrong half the time and still get a paycheck. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) almost, almost as many times as prognosticators in football, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. I'm like guys in major league baseball have less, uh, you know, worse records than I do. And they're getting paid millions of dollars. So it's based on statistics. Okay. Um, But even that, so for one year, I remember just um, taking my forecast and if I got it within like two or three degrees, you know, like I graded myself. And it ended up being something like 94% of the time it was accurate, you know? Nice, just, nice. Yeah, and that's not to like pat myself on the back, but it's just to say we aren't wrong 50% of the time. There's snow forecasts that we bust, yes. There may be some timing on severe weather that we get wrong, but, you know, that that's that. Um, but for meteorologists today, um, especially I would say anybody under the age of 50 doing weather, they have to have a degree. Um, that's a common misconception that they're just glorified news anchors that are reading some weather text. Um, we're not. We actually have to study the weather. We forecast our weather. We do our own graphics. Um, we are fully involved. So every weather product that you see on the air from CBS 42 is created for you and by us. So 
we have our hands in every step of the process. We don't have weather producers. We don't have weather graphic creators. We don't have um, anybody else. I mean, now I have um, other meteorologists that work alongside me. I mean, there's just a lot that I have to do in my day. So we share, but the content creation is all coming from our weather team. So that's one thing I don't think a lot of people realize. You know, then you get into the questions, oh, who does your hair and makeup? I'm like, uh, yours truly. That would be me. <laughs> um, it's like, I don't know what Hallmark movie they've been watching where they just think that this is like some glamorous life, but whatever. So, you know, so there's that just kind of in general is like a meteorologist is concerned. Well, then the female meteorologist, I think that women have to overcome. And I think this is kind of an industry standard. And I wish that I'm not saying it's an industry standard. I wish I could say it was an industry anomaly. But I think in most industries, as women begin to climb the ranks, it's hard. Um, I spoke at Sloss Tech last week and I was on a panel of female executives and one of the common threads was that it is 25% um, less likely for women to get raises, for them to get certain promotions that men do. And it's almost as though we have to be twice as credible to get the same job. So I don't think that a lot of people realize the work. When women get to certain places in their careers, how much harder they've had to work for that and, and even overcoming even stereotypes overcoming even I would say kind of workplace injustices and so in my role I've been super fortunate to um to to be able to wear this title um but it's required a lot of work from me it's required a lot of um building in a team and and gaining trust in managers and quite frankly I do feel like over time I've had to work twice as hard as my male counterparts to establish credibility, to establish um, that I'm serious about this. Because oftentimes, if you see a female on TV giving the weather, immediately it's like, oh, that's a cute little weather lady, you know, or, oh, look at that weather girl. And here's the deal. I'm not offended uh, by those comments. but you know, I, I, I just hate that term, though. I hope that you don't. I hope that people don't actually call you weather girl. Oh, yes. Well, and so it's funny. And I try to take it in stride. And, you know, if someone says it to me, I'll quickly say, oh, I'm a, that's funny. I'm a, I'm a meteorologist. Um, and, and they're like, and sometimes I get like a, you know, kind of a glazed over look. Other times they'll like, like, oh, I didn't mean it. Um, but then I'll kind of follow it up with a, well, you just call me weather girl. I have been called worse. You know? So I try to make them not feel yeah. bad. Um, but it's still kind of like, I don't, I don't want to miss an opportunity and not, it's not an opportunity for correction, but it's just an opportunity for education. Um, because I worked hard for my degree, nothing to do with my gender, but I worked really hard to become a meteorologist. And mm. for those people that did not earn their degree that are truly weather anchors or just, you know, weather storytellers, whatever they are, um, I just take a lot of pride in the amount of work and the amount of education that it's taken for me to get here. And then to get my weather seals, it requires additional testing. And that was like a six month process and it's involved. And um, so, you know, so all, all that to say, I'm just really proud of my degree. So I, I like it when, you know, it's like going to a doctor's office and you don't call your doctor, Mr. You know, your doctor worked really hard for their doc, you know, their doctor title. So so you're a mama, you're a mother of three, and I, I love seeing the stories you share about your hashtag weather babies on, on social media. That's really sweet. But I remember while you were pregnant with your youngest, you shared some stories on Facebook about some nasty emails that you would get from people commenting on what you wore. And sometimes I think even like how you wore your hair and that kind of thing. Why, why did you t decide to take some of that public? 
That is a great question. So I will say that there is a sense of, um, when, when you have children, uh, there's an element of confidence I feel like you gain as a mother with each child, uh, both inwardly and outwardly. So with baby number one, you are so stressed. You don't know what you're doing. If somebody pops a baby in your arms and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to care for this thing for the rest of its life. Like, what is just happening? Well, then when you realize you can actually take care of that child and you're like, okay, I can do this. You have baby number two. You kind of feel more in control. Well, baby number three, I think I just reached a level of, again, it gets back to education, but for me, it was more or less empowerment. And um, I'll tell you this. So Ginger Z, she's the meteorologist on Good Morning America, and she was also interned here in this market years ago. Um, She started to, I would say politely, but clap back on Twitter for all of her hate tweets that she would get, uh, whether it would be her clothing, her hair. Um, But she would do it in a way that was delicate, that was, hey, thanks for watching, but I really love the way I feel and I look in this. I think so often, now I have a public job, but it's so often those of us that do not have public jobs, um, we may hear comments or we may just have, sadly, bad self-images for whatever reason. So partly I wanted to express like, you're not alone in your fight. You're Mm -hmm. not alone in feeling like you're less than, you're not alone in your self-image and the way that you think about yourself sometimes. So one of the reasons I wanted to post the emails is really just to level the playing field and let people know that like, hey, I might look like I have it, you know, all, all put together on TV and my hair's done and I've got my makeup done and I'm like, I may, you may not be able to see the spit up on my dress just because I got the camera guy to, hey, don't shoot lower, my lower part of my dress. I have a big spit up stain there. But, you know, you don't sit down <laughs> Um, that is true story. I've had it on my shoulders before where like, I'm going in between a show before a show, like rubbing my shoulder, trying to get like white, you know, marks off my dress. I'm like, well, it happens, you know? Um, so partly that, um, but I don't think it's fair to just simply post their comment without also posting how I responded because I felt like Mm -hmm. me just leaving it out there was pretty venomous. Um, so I actually respond to every single person um, that would send me a message and no matter how callous or cold it may have come across. Um, I just know that people that do that, my pastor once said, hurt people, hurt people. So Mm -hmm. I generally feel like people that do that, they're just coming from a a bad place themselves, you know, like, and I at least have enough wherewithal to understand like, you know what, they may not like my dress, but I really feel like it's more a projection, not a direct insult towards me. So I would respond back with grace and then I would post both my, the email that I received and then I would also post my response to them. And I also felt like that allowed for some accountability too um, on my end, um, because if I'm going to post your email, I think it's only fair that I post my response to you. Um, Only one time did I ever receive an email back. 90% of the emails I received were from other women. Mm. And the saddest part is one of the women that probably sent me one of the cruelest messages and told me that I needed to go on maternity leave early because I was just, I looked like I would pop any day, happened to be a board of directors for a clinic here that um, is aimed at saving babies' lives so their mothers don't abort them. And I, I'm I'm not going to name the organization, but that was probably, that, that was probably the most wind-sucking moment or I just literally felt like the air had been knocked for me once I did a little bit of research on who this person was. 
that one hurt. That one stung the most only because I know like you advocate for babies in the womb, but yet you're, you're emailing me telling me to get off your television in fear that I'm going to have a child on TV. And I wanted to be like, and lady, that's not how it works. Like, this is my third go at things. Like again, on a rare news story or in a movie, you know, all of a sudden, like I'm standing there at the green screen. I'm like, Oh no, my water, but a baby. Like, the odds of that happening is like less than 1%. Okay, people. Don't you kind of wish that Taylor Swift's new song, You Need to Calm Down, had been around back then? You could have just like done this. You could have sung it. You yes. could have just quoted it back. You know, yes. I feel like that's the best clap back ever, her song. Yes. Yes, for sure. And for the, and, and I, I'll just say this, the, the best thing that anybody can tell you when you were like 10 months pregnant about to pop is you look beautiful. That is right. like the best thing I can tell you. Well, I, I will tell you this. So the funny moment, it, 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 I guess that email or that, that whatever I posted on Facebook went semi-viral. My sister was living in Bakersfield, California, listened to a podcast out there. And the women on the podcast read this email and they said, meanwhile, in Alabama, a chief meteorologist is being body shamed for being pregnant. And my sister <laughs> happened to be listening to the podcast. She's like, Ashley, you'll never believe it. I'm like, yes, I made it to a podcast in California. I'm famous. And then she's like, Ashley, you're on TV every day. I'm like, okay, fine. But that's really cool. <laughs> Good but point. Again, it's, just, it's to bring awareness. And I also think that women in television hide behind um, demeaning emails. And we've almost accepted it as part of the job. And here's an interesting fact. So... Um, we've done a survey, me and an, another female meteorologist, um, amongst just the meteorologists in the United States. And we had very good input and feedback. So a very large statistical pool, 98.9% of all women have received some type of unflattering email, insulting, rude, inappropriate. Only 47% of our male counterparts have. So again, that wow. just goes to show it. I mean, any woman that you see on television has likely at some point in her life received this. And the fact that as a culture, we are okay with that, like that is something that's disgusting. You know, like it disgusts me that people think that it is okay just because you're a woman that you, for whatever reason, can take insults. And I've had people tell me that, then that's been really challenging and hurtful is when I share like, oh, well, I've got this rude comment. They're like, but you went into TV, you should have expected it. No, no. Thank you. And I'm like, no, like, would you tell that to a male anchor or a male meteorologist? Probably not. So it's well, and whatever happened to just don't be rude. I mean, just if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. I, I got, yes, I got some of that in politics and I'm just, I think I'll just, you're you're making me brave right now, Ashley. I'm just going to say it out loud. The Decatur Daily has one of the worst pictures of me on file and all my opponents have used it in, in races against me and in campaigns against me. And it, it was just one of those moments that they caught me at a bad angle. And, you know, I had a bad hair day and, you know, I probably had a stain on my shirt from a kid and, you know, I mean, just like you said, or, you know, something that, yes. And, and, and I just, and I just thought, you know, did you just hit, and every time they want to print a story that, you know, somebody prints a story that they don't like, they, that, that image comes up. And I just think, you know, that just wasn't nice. Okay, can I ask a question? Because I have this burning question about your early education. And Ashley, you don't major in aerospace engineering without some serious 
science and math along the way in K-12. Tell us about, because you were, you were raised in Texas, uh, you know, we have the same kind of issues here in Alabama with girls um, and their, their STEM education. Obviously, you got some encouragement. Was that normal for you? Was that something you just, they, your parents encouraged and then kind of, what advice do you have to, for more girls to be in those studies? And yeah. to, I mean, that's just so important and it, there's just not enough of it, even today. Right. So I love this topic. So this is probably where like my passion project lives outside of the TV station is just really engaging, inspiring and empowering young girls to stay connected with STEM sciences. So a little backstory, um, my mom and dad were married. They were young. They were like kids having kids. So when I came along, they were in their early twenties, um, and struggling and sadly had ended up getting a divorce, but fast forward through life. And, um, so on my dad's side of the family, I'm actually the first college graduate. He never completed college. He got married so young. And then my grandparents never went to college on his side. Now my mom did, she's an Auburn grad. And so she was working full time. She was a single parent for many years. And, um, I have to be honest. I never in my mind thought that my pursuit of science was different or like not normal. And I think the reason why is because my mom was a consultant, but she consulted for uh, large um, corporations like Boeing and Lockheed and General Dynamics at the time. So she was around a lot of like techie guys or whatever. And she ended up meeting my stepdad and he did, he built planes. So he was an engineer. Um, so that probably um, inspired or at least triggered a lot of that in me. Um, but I was never given no as an answer. And I was never given like, uh, are you sure that's what you want to do? Like it was never questioned. And so I think what's really neat one, I had, I had an example in my home and my mom, I mean, she was a full-time hardworking parent my whole life. And even statistically, um, they're, you know, working parent or, you know, having a dual working parent kind of home can can lead to children having, um, you know, the the numbers are like girls, especially like daughters. Um, it shows that like their pursuit of college and second education, um, secondary education and things like that um, are greater sometimes. And I don't think that that's like any fault that stay at home moms. That's not where I want to take this conversation. But the point is, I think sometimes and I, I actually say that to encourage moms that do work full time and balance their home life. Because I think we have so much mom shame that we're working. Like, I know I, I am guilty of that. But I think that was reflected to me at a young age. So we'll kind of. So just say, having, say. having mentors, have, having somebody you're showing you passively, hey, this is an option. And, and not, yes. not necessarily saying you know, this is something you have to do or this, this is something that only a certain type of person does, but just, you know, this is a thing that other people do. This is a thing that other women do. Correct. It so, opens so many doors to you. So Ashley, what, what was your highest math in high school? Um, let's see. Trigonometry or pre-cal or, or calculus? It was, it was definitely pre-cal. I was even questioning if it was calculus. Um, I think I ended up taking Cal one at Auburn. So it was definitely pre-Cal for sure. Okay. And I that's trigonometry in 10th grade. I remember 10th grade because I remember my teacher, but anyways, but trigonometry was 10th grade for me. Um, so well, that may seem like a weird question, but I ask it because so many students period, but especially girls top out at algebra two. 
in, wow. in, in Alabama. And you are never, ever going to be able to make it in a STEM, no. in, a, in a STEM pathway in college, topping out at Algebra 2. And to that point, so one of the things that I'm like trying to grasp, like, or just like grip the fourth grade through really like sixth, seventh graders, but even we're losing them at sixth and seventh grade, it really needs to be late elementary school, very early middle. But statistically, what we're finding is that young girls, that um, their aptitude is equal to boys, which you probably know that. But what's happening is the reason for the number gap, the disparity in women or girls staying in those curriculum is it's just not popular or it's not what my friend is doing. So there's a social stigma surrounding why they're doing that. So one of the things that I'm trying to do, so I've, I've partnered with Hoover City Schools and it's something called GEMS, Girls Engaged in Math and Science. And what we're trying to do is glamorize math and science, as crazy as that sounds, but we're applying technology to things like fashion design. We're using CAD programs and we're showing girls like, hey, you love that dress? Okay, here's how you create it in a computer. Oh, and here's the code to write that so that you can change the colors on that top or that skirt or that dress. So now they're beginning to see, okay, this is how you can creatively engage the tech space. Because I think in schools, we are so geared to teaching tech for just robotics or, you know, things that are not necessarily what girls would engage in. And, um, and so I think what, what, so what we're trying to do on a local level is really utilize and, and using what I call gender equity. I think we're all trying to get to gender equality. That's the end goal. But to get there, we have to be fair to both genders and note it and know that there's different needs for each for boys and girls. There are things that we're going to gravitate to naturally. And so if we can bring those things out in girls, but relate them to the tech space, I think that that's what brings them through middle school. Once they hit high school and they're engaged in those math and science programs, statistically, they will stay. And interestingly enough, they are actually set to excel further than some of the boys beyond college. So we are finding an, an invaluable trend in, in engaging that like fourth through sixth grade girls as far as the future of um, having women in science goes. Awesome. I'm- I really love that. And I really love that idea of the gems you're talking about where mm-hmm. it it fuses the creative and the techie because I think there's this misconception that the, there's left brain, right brain, and those things can never touch. And if you're creative, if you, if you love color and design and the arts, then that means you're not suited for math and science and, and anything in the tech, in the, the STEM field, but that's just right. not true. Some of the best engineers are artists because yeah. they can think outside of that box. Absolutely. And, and so I, I love, you know, you're merging those two discipline or you know, m- many, many disciplines yeah. into something that is exciting for, for people trying to learn those subjects. I love and that. I think- and I think that's where the future is going. It's we're going to have to have more innovators and entrepreneurs. And I think you can only do that by finding balance with with both sides. You have to find that strength of creativity along with your strength of math and science and blending those, um, because I think that that's what that gives you that edge as we kind of move into what I call like the fourth industrial revolution. And it's going to be in the tech space. Absolutely. You are speaking my language, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ashley, I want to return to an idea that you brought up a few minutes ago, and that is that of being a dual earner family and working with children. And I have five kids myself and work, and Mary Mary Scott has three children. And I am always just so curious about tips and tricks and nuts and bolts of a mother's day. How do you and your husband 
you know, how do you make it work? And especially in those situations where you have a, a severe weather event and you yeah. might be, you might be at the station for, you know, all night long. Talk to us just yeah. a little bit about the nuts and bolts of your day. So I will say uh, a couple of things here. First, I'll start off with my husband is amazing. He and I have known each other since the day that I moved from Texas to Georgia. Uh, we grew up together. We didn't date till later in life. So it's not some like, oh, we're high school sweethearts. Um, cause he definitely took a different girl to prom, but neither here nor there. I'm not salty. Uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's no pain there. Uh, uh, in saying that he's a great helpmate and he is a business owner himself. So whereas he has lots of responsibility, he also has some flexibility. Um, this is all we've kind of known as a couple, which also kind of makes it good too. So he has, he knows how the business is. He knows, knows how it works. Now with like severe weather, for example, we plan it enough and ahead of time and he's, he's prepared and he'll, he'll, um, structure his days to where he has more windows if he needs to get the kids so on and so forth. See, our family lives in Atlanta, so we don't have any family here, but we definitely have some friends that we could call in a pinch, you know, like, Hey, can you pick up so-and-so from school? Or, you know, can you hop over here? Like I had to do that the other day. I had to go in early for some thunderstorms. I went and knocked on my neighbor's door and said, Hey, can you just come watch the baby? She's napping. Can you just come sit in the house till Derek gets here in 30 minutes? You know, that's my husband. And so, um, so balance, that's really good. I mean, flexibility and he's never resented me for the job that I have, which also makes it fantastic. Like our careers have never been a point of contention in our marriage ever. Um, and I know that's not to say that not everybody's in that position, but that I am grateful that I don't have to justify um, to my family why I'm doing what I'm doing. And secondly, like when I'm home, the kids watch on TV. They're only allowed to watch weather, though, because the news is bad. Um, and I don't want to have things your head. But so she leaves it on mute, that they're allowed to turn it off mute when mommy comes on. And even like my three-year-old son the other day, he he thought that every mommy was on TV because we had a little... Oh, uh, oh precious. Yeah, we had a, um, a, a, actually a classmate of his. His mom is an author. She just finished a book, and she's been doing, like, a little TV tour here in town. And I said, DC, look, it's, um, you know, it's Miss Sally on TV. And he goes, I know, Mommy. All mommies are on TV. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Like, I just said it so matter-of-factly and almost, like, annoyed. Like, Mom, come on. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, so, so there's that. But the other thing, we got some great advice one time from a mentor, and he said, you as parents, you need to do two things in your life, point your kids to Jesus and have fun. And that's what we do. So I know I put in my bio, you know, you'll find me camping or a home improvement store. Um, I love fixing up our house and we bought a travel trailer. And so we go camping on the weekends, we disconnect and we dive into nature and it's so much fun. And it makes me not regret, you know, days during the week where I'm like, oh, I missed this such and such at the school, or I wasn't able to go to this ball game, although we're not quite to that season yet. But, um, you know, they're just things where you're like, oh, I missed this dinner with the kids, or I missed this bedtime or bath time. Um, but we just dive in deep in the weekends. And we really just kind of check out of the rest of reality. And uh, we do a lot of things together. So with my job, because I get to go to events or make appearances, I always ask if I can invite my family. And nine times out of 10, it's a yes. So they get to live life with me. And I love that my children get to see me make choices. They've seen me make hard choices. And sometimes that choice is work over something at the house. But oftentimes they'll see that I choose them alongside what I'm doing at work. So they get to meet fun people and they get to see cool things that 
most three and five-year-olds don't get to see and do, and they get access to things that they wouldn't normally. So I think at the end of the day, um, we just balance it. I'm very intentional about the time that we do get together. I work non-traditional hours, so I'm home in the morning. So I get to be a classroom mom, which is really cool. And I get to walk my kids to school every day. Like, that's really cool. But my husband picks them up at night, and he does bedtime and bath time with them. So we just share our day differently. And they come and meet me for work a couple times a week, bring me dinner, I'll meet them for dinner. So we've just found balance kind of in the chaos. And again, we point them to Jesus and we try to have fun. I love that. And that's some wonderful advice. What is the best piece of advice you've gotten from another woman, whether it be another woman in your field or just you know, some encouragement or some advice that somebody else has given you? Okay. I, I have to say, I, I heard this recently and it was totally eye-opening. I'm, I'm trying to be careful how I say this because what they said is not what I would normally say because it's slightly inappropriate, but it kind of like resonated. So. Do I need to have the bleep button ready? <laughs> I believed myself. I've used it on Mary Scott that. before. Mary Scott's normally the inappropriate one on the line. Rachel. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll say this and then you can decide to bleep me later. But um, they call it hustle P-O-R-N. Um, and they said they're tired of that. Like, on Facebook and Twitter, like, stop doing all of that because people that are super successful in life don't need to brag about all the work that they're doing. They need to be focused on the time that they're getting um, with their family. And the one the the takeaway was this. Um, I think I get so caught up because in my job, I have to worry about social media, right? So I'm like, oh my God, today is my engagement up, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it can be really concerning. And then you kind of find, figure out, like, I'm not trying to exploit my children in this whole process either. So, like, there's there's a dance and all of that. But the point was, and this was the takeaway, was that the people that often work full-time, and, and this even goes for, like, stay-at-home moms. I mean, everybody has a job. We all, all have 24 hours in a day. It's just how we choose to spend them. But people that are working tend to invest that time with their family almost more deeply, than people that may not be, um, you know, their work, their work is not, I don't know, is involved in, and kind of to that point with my hours being what they are and even being severe weather-minded, like having to stay around the clock sometimes or have long stretches. I just try to make sure that that time that I'm getting with my family is just so intentional. And so that was the advice that I really took away. Like, don't brag about the work really brag about the life that you get to have with your family. Ashley, say, say the, what was it again? Hustle what? It's called hustle porn. I'm like saying that red face right now. <laughs> it's such but a real it, phenomenon it, though. Yeah. Like go, um, go on Twitter and just type in the hashtag grind daily and then like mm -hmm. block all those people because they're not <laughs> grinding daily. They're not spending time with their family. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to razz on them, but you know, but that's the point. It's a whole like grind daily community. But I love, I really love what you brought out about the social media, because even last night I, I found myself in the car with my daughter. We were waiting for football practice to end for my son. There was, there was some time to kill. And I was like, well, let me go ahead and post about my kid's first day. You know, you see everybody and they're sitting out on the oh, front yeah. porch and they got, got the perfect smile and everything. And somehow between my mishap of maybe posting twice or doing whatever I did, this took me 30 minutes to post. And I, 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 I sort of had this moment where I thought, I'm sitting with my daughter. I could have been talking with her and I'm trying to figure out how to post about the first day of school. You know, and it just, right? it just annoys <laughs> me 
how much this actually is a time suck. But but us three, like you, do feel a certain to an extent extent that social media is simply necessary. So maybe tease that out a little bit more. What, um, as a public person, what are some of the rules or how do you, how do you manage engaging with folks and making sure that you're out there, um, but not letting it encroach too deeply? Great question. I don't even know I'm the right person to ask for that because I don't feel like I've mastered the balance yet, but certain boundaries that I have set, like I will never post um, like a geo tag when I'm actually at that place. I will leave that place before I post and say, you know, have having fun at the park, but it'll be an hour later. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. And, and that's more for like creepy people because I don't want people to know where we are. But there's like other boundaries. Like I make sure that my kid's school sign isn't in their backdrop for their first day of school picture. So those are ways I try to be very careful. Um, I try to do, when I take pictures of my kids, it's generally just celebrating some small achievement. Like my daughter just learned how to ride her bike without training wheels. I just don't try. And, and, you know, and maybe that's kind of like the highlight reel mentality. Like I'm only showing you the good stuff. Um, But I also like, I don't want to waste everyone's time and even my own time being like, oh, look, I have more spit up on my shoulder. Uh, You know, sure, that may normalize me and make me more human. But I need to clean that up. Like, I don't need to let that sit on my shoulder. I need to be putting shout on it and not worrying about (laughs) taking the perfect picture and putting the filter on it and getting it on Instagram. Oh, wait, is it for square or is it for a rectangle? Is this Twitter? And so um, so those are some of the family boundaries I do. Ashley, I have to tell you, I posted a picture of the a video of my children getting positioned for the first day of school picture. Oh, it's yeah. hysterical. And, and yeah, the middle one's pushing and somebody elbows it. somebody in the stomach. And, and oh my God, and I got more comments and laughs on that than the, I mean, I didn't even post the actual picture. And it ended with them like smiling. Smiling. And that was the best part. Because at the end of it, they're all just like <laughs> smiling, their big cheesy smiles. And I was like, uh huh. I know exactly what was behind that picture. Yep. I'm totally stealing that. My kids start on Monday and I'm totally doing that. Oh, yes. I'm I'm definitely going to be doing that. But yeah, so I just try to find space um, and not, you know, like not take pictures at every single meal or whatever. Um, And I, you know, I I don't think, again, that I'm doing it perfectly, but just try to do things. And and again, kind of siloing out my my social media, like doing different stuff for Instagram than I do for Facebook than I do for Twitter. But it's kind of learning all of that, too. I just I've started to put more engaging things on Facebook, I kind of leave Twitter more for like just conversational, throwing some weather stuff every now and again. But what I've learned is nobody wants to hear about weather on my social media. They just want to get to know me, which I'm fine with. Like, I've just learned that's the space, you know, like that's what social media is truly for. So every, you know, occasionally I'll put in some like weather fun facts, you know, but they get like the least engagement. I put up uh, about post a picture of your pet. We don't even own animals. I mean, the engagement was through the roof yesterday. I mean, (laughs) you know how it goes. It's a dance, all that social media stuff. It it seems like some days it's like hugely invasive. Other days it's just kind of like, you know, it is what it is. But, but Ashley, I, I, I think people are interested in knowing you. I mean, you have a really yeah. interesting story. You're for having an aerospace engineering degree, for heaven's sakes, and a, you were, you, you're in beauty pageants and you're this very accomplished meteorologist. I think, I think people... I don't know. I think we have to give them a little grace and they're just, cu- they're curious about you. They want to know you. Where yes, can people and, and find do, you? 
Yeah. So um, Facebook and Twitter, it's at Gan Weather. So G-A-N-N-W-E-A-T-H-E-R. And then on Instagram, it's Weather by Ashley. So it's shorthand weather, W-X-B-Y Ashley. Um, but yeah, I mean, I share a lot of that. And I'm, I'm actually about to start a little podcast myself and uh, Yay. I'm gonna, Yay. Uh, my blog. So I'll be definitely. Yeah. That's so exciting. It's, <laughs> as you learned when we were warming up for this today, you're always going to run into uh, some technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's never going to be easier. Hi there. Liz Bashir's again. I couldn't let you go without another big thank you to Ashley Gann. If you want to connect with her, we'll have all her social media links in our show notes at bellcurvepodcast.com. And one more quick note. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear your feedback. Please join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at bellcurvepod. And if you really loved us, would you please consider telling your friends about Bellcurve? We are passionate about the community you are building with us and want to know how we can best serve you. Thank you again for listening today and hope to talk to you soon.